Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this week's episode about the book The Power of Regret by Dan Pink. Keep listening to find out why regret isn't a dirty word. Welcome back. I'm your host, Steph Clark, and each week I share with you the three big ideas from the best non-fiction books that I've been reading and do the reading so you don't have to. This week is the book, The Power of Regret by Dan Pink. Now, Dan Pink, the name may be somewhat familiar to you. I read his book, When, a couple of years ago. It was fantastic. It was one of my favourite books of, I think it was 2019. Yeah, I think 2019 might be wrong don't hold me to that uh, but it was fantastic I really like his writing style I like the stuff he shares so I was very excited about this new book about regret the interesting topic of regret we'll get into a little bit more about the book and what I liked and what I didn't like so much about it I know it's one that a few of you have been asking about because I've been sharing about it on social media and I know Dan has been doing the circuit on podcasts and things recently so you may have heard him talking on one of your favorite podcasts or other favorite podcasts obviously other than this one about the ideas he has got in this book now i will admit that when i first saw the title of this book and knew that the concept of his new book was going to be about regret my first reaction was Ugh, regrets what use are they? Well, my friend, that that may have changed a little bit over the course of reading this book, although maybe not so much, which again, I will demystify that weird statement as we go through the book. But before we get into the three big ideas, as usual, a little bit about the book, a little bit about the author. No regrets. You've heard people proclaim it as a philosophy of life. That's nonsense, even dangerous, says Daniel Pink in his latest bold and inspiring work. Everybody has regrets, they're a fundamental part of our lives, and if we reckon with them in fresh and imaginative ways, we can enlist our regrets to make smarter decisions, perform better at work and school, and deepen our sense of meaning and purpose. In The Power of Regret, Pink talks on research in psychology, neuroscience, economics and biology to challenge widely held assumptions about emotions and behaviour. Using the largest sampling of American attitudes about regret ever conducted, as well as his own world regret survey, which he has collected where he or we, where he has collected regrets for more than 16,000 people in 105 countries, he identifies the four core regrets that most people have. Those four regrets, he argues, operate as a photographic negative of the good life. By understanding what people regret the most, we can understand what they value the most. And by following the simple science-based three-step process that he starts out, we can transform our regrets into a positive force for working smarter and living better. With his signature blend of big ideas and practical takeaways, that sounds like a type of tea or something, captivating stories and crisp humour, The Power of Regret offers an urgent and indispensable guide for a life well lived. And that was all taken from his website, danpink.com. The link is in the show notes. A little bit about the author. Daniel Pink is the author of five New York Times bestsellers, including the latest, The Power of Regret, published in February. His other books include the New York Times bestsellers, When and A Whole New Mind, as well as the number one New York Times bestsellers, Drive and To Sell is Human. Lots of New York Times bestsellers there. Dan's books have won multiple awards, including obviously New York Times bestsellers, have been translated into 42 languages and have sold millions of copies around the world. He lives in Washington, D.C. with his family and he's been the New York Times bestseller. Did I mention that? Did that, did that come up? That came up in the, in the bio. Anyway, that was all taken from his website again, danpink.com. Link again, as usual, is in the show notes. All right, let's get into it. Big idea number one from the book, The Power of Regret. Regret is not a dirty word. Now, hands up if you, when you hear this topic as well, you also fall into the category of people who think 
no regrets is a good mantra to live by. Maybe, I mean, don't raise your hand if you're driving or operating heavy machinery, carrying a baby, puppy, a kitten, something like that. But I imagine that you may have had that thought in some at some point of your life. Daniel Pink that says, though, that regret can actually be healthy. It can actually be a good thing. And that's over 70 years of research has concluded that regret A makes us human and B makes us better. It makes us human because it engages this uniquely human ability that we have to time travel in our minds, both forwards into a hypothetical future if we took one decision versus another decision, and then backwards to think about what decision we should make now, and then forwards again, even maybe into a different path or an alternate reality, and then comparing that to our current future or our other future that we may have. No other animal, it seems, can can do that that we know. So it's quite a human trait for that, hence regret making us quite human. Regret is especially painful as well as an emotion because we can mostly blame it on our own decisions and and actions or inactions in many cases. It's also a very common feeling and one that is highly valued. And in some of the research that Dan shares in the book, he talks about regret being sort of the second most common feeling that comes up for people when they do these these surveys where people, they get a ping and it says, right, what are you feeling right now? Or what, what feelings went through your head today or whatever? So that's why regret makes us human. It makes us better by one, sharpening our decision-making skills. We need to feel a little bit bad in order not to repeat those particular decisions or actions that we took or, or didn't take. Number two, it elevates our performance. It can deepen persistence by imagining ourselves winning that gold medal or acing the test or getting the job that we're about to go into an interview for. By deepening our persistence, it can elevate our performance. And it can also strengthen meaning and connection by reminding us what is important, what we don't want to do, what we do want to do, how we want to live, how we don't want to live. Now, obviously, we don't want our regrets to overwhelm us. We don't want them to to smother us. There's a quote in the book, which I quite like. It says, we want regrets to poke us, not smother us. And we we don't want them to ruin our days. But we'll get to that as the last big idea on how we can avoid that. Now, when I read this and I, as I mentioned earlier, I went into the book like, well, you know, regrets aren't that big a deal. Why would you, why would anyone have regrets? But from reading the book, I was like, well, okay, that's not what I mean by no regrets. So that's not what I have previously thought about when I thought of living with no regrets. It's not about still going through life and making terrible decisions again and again, but it's about not hanging, not getting hung up on those particular decisions or actions or inactions that you've taken. So I think for a lot of people that is certainly from my experience and from talking to a couple of people who had a similar allergic reaction when they saw the title of this book or saw that this book was coming out, that was that was really their take as well. It's not that they don't have regrets, but it's more that they rationalise them and move on from them quite quickly and therefore don't get hung up with them. And that's what they see as being a life of, of holding on to regrets as being the bad thing but anyway there we go that's big idea number one regret is not a dirty word big idea number two is the four types of regret so in the surveys that Dan did so I mentioned earlier in the intro that he did the world regret survey he also did the American regret survey as well which had almost four and a half thousand people adults American adults asked about regrets and they were asked to categorize them into eight domains those eight domains were family partners education career finance other health and friends And they were in that order. So the most regrets were held in family, then partners, education, career, finance, other health and friends, with health and friends being the lowest number of regrets in those particular domains. But really, when they looked at the data, they realized that they were looking at the categorization or those domains all wrong. There was actually a different layer or a different level of categorization and theming of the regrets that could be established. Now, those four types of regrets, number one was foundational. So this is a failure to be a responsible or conscientious person or prudent. And most of the regrets here come into those financial, educational and health domains. So often it's a 
a lack of maybe the right decisions around what's best for you in the future or taking care of yourself now in order to be in a better place in you know, a future period of time. So there was an example in the book of one particular guy who got a quite a good job at quite a young age, but really frittered his money away and didn't really have much to show in terms of savings, retirement benefits, etc. Whereas other people who maybe had started a little bit later into work or, or were just much younger than him had much more established wealth and not just from a lavish lifestyle perspective, but in terms of being able to set themselves up for a better retirement or future and not having maybe to work as long so that's your foundational so that's the first group of regrets the second one is boldness which you can probably guess what that is most of these come from inaction foregone opportunities and we're more likely to and the fact that we're more likely to regret what we didn't do so a boldness regret is a the lack of boldness in the past Number three is a moral regret. So taking the low road normally involves cheating, lying, deceiving, something bad in that kind of domain. And can and those can really flow across most of the different domains or the other domains or the eight domains around family, partners, education, career, finance, other health and friends. Most of the these ones can actually float between all of those. Finally, the fourth type of regret is connection. So fractured or unrealized relationships with each other the other way they termed this was rifts and drifts. So did you have a rift with someone or an argument with someone or falling out with someone that was never really fixed or, or patched over? Or did you just drift apart and you, you regret that and you feel guilty about not keeping in touch with someone? Often those come up later in life when maybe someone gets sick or someone passes away and you regret not staying in touch with that particular person. There was a couple of examples like that in the book. So there's the four different types of regrets. So foundational, boldness, moral and connection. I found this part really interesting and I really enjoyed the way that they took those domains of the regrets and realizing that that actually wasn't the differentiator, wasn't the domain that they fall in, be it family or career or finance. It was actually the type of regret, the reason that someone regretted the thing rather than the domain of their life that it fell into. There was a nice point in the around boldness regrets with, with some other researchers that Dan spoke to said that regrettable failures to act have a longer half-life than regrettable actions so this idea of inaction just being so much more painful for people and throughout the book there is the book is littered with all these different regrets that people the, the verbatim responses that people sent as the free text responses to the regret surveys that they did and it's incredibly painful reading you could almost read those and just go away with the renewed sense of I'm not going to let some of those things happen to me because there's some pretty sad stories in there and, and I found some of them particularly sad there's you know, 29 year olds or 35 year olds thinking I've you know wasted my life doing this thing I wish I'd taken this career path instead of this one you just think oh, you know you've got so much time to undo some of these things but we'll come to that in a moment so let's big idea number two the four types of regret big idea number three is avoiding and fixing regret to avoid regrets we can learn from the ones we've already got so we can learn from them and take dis different decisions and pathways in order to avoid doing those things again in the future but for regrets that have happened, or I guess not happened if it was an inaction re regret, we can do a few things to stop them smothering us and keep them poking us rather than smothering us. Number one is to undo it. And maybe that's apologizing. So if we've harmed someone else in particular, we can, we can apologize. We can try and make up for what has happened. If we've harmed ourselves, so if it's more maybe one of those foundational regrets where we didn't save enough money, we didn't take care of our health, thinking again about what you can do now, which will start to either undo or improve or move forward from what you did or didn't do in the past. 
Number two is at least it. So number one is undo it. Number two is at least it, which is taking from something from a regret to a relief. So you take it from an if only, which is where the regret sits. If only I'd done these things, if only I hadn't done these things to an at least. So this is good for the pesky stuff. And the example he talks about in the book is he didn't really enjoy going to law school and he sort of regrets making that decision because that was maybe not a decision he made for himself, but one that other he thought he should do. So he could say, rather than saying, if only I hadn't gone to law school, he might say, and he shares this example in the book, well, at least I met my wife there. So turning that if only into an at least is a good thing. Another example in the book is someone who bought a car that they didn't really like. And they'd say, oh, if only I bought this other car. You can say, well, at least it's still running. At least it's paid off. At least it, I didn't buy this other other car that had terrible boot space and wouldn't have been able to fit whatever it is in that I need to put in my boot. So all of these different th- types of things, which I quite like. So it's almost the, it's a little bit gratitude-y, but it's more changing the mindset around that particular regret. So those those are fine for certain types of regrets, but you might have bigger ones or ones that are created by inaction, which are harder to undo potentially. So the three steps here are relive and relieve. So this is disclosure and you don't need to disclose it to the world. You don't need to put it on all your social media platforms, but even just disclosing the regret to yourself is an incredibly powerful thing to do. Just in front of the mirror, write it in your journal, whatever it happens to be. Number two is to normalize and neutralize. So this is a piece on self-compassion. So how would you speak to a friend who had the same situation, who came to you and said, I really regret this thing I did or didn't do many years ago. Maybe I stole from someone. Maybe I cheated on someone. Maybe I didn't take that job opportunity in Singapore that I wish I had, whatever it happens to be. What would you talk to that other friend about and how, what language would you use and how would you help them to, to move forward from that? Try that on yourself. And then finally, number three is to analyze and strategize, which is creating distance between yourself and the regret. And the trick he uses here is actually to talk about the regret as if it's not you, as if it's you, but some, but in the third person. So rather than saying, I really wish I'd stayed in London and taken that job opportunity that came up, I might say, Steph didn't take that job opportunity that came up in London. And just creating that distance, so getting used to distancing yourself as I, because it's very easy to slip into beating yourself up and overthinking those particular types of regrets. So creating a little bit of distance between you and it. Apparently this is a very effective technique. I hadn't really heard of this before, but apparently it's used quite a lot in other situations as well. So creating that distance, taking it from yourself to almost an other. So those are the three ways we can overcome regret. The first one is to relive and relieve. That took four attempts to say that. Number two is to normalize and neutralize. And number three is to analyze and strategize. So that's big idea number three, avoiding and fixing regret. So there we go. Three big ideas from the book, The Power of Regret by Dan Pink. Big idea number one, regret is not a dirty word. Big idea number two, four types of regret. And big idea number three, avoiding and fixing regret. The book was actually structured in a semi-similar way. Some of these ideas did sort of flow between the different areas or different parts of the book. I didn't, I'm going to be honest, I didn't love, and if you've seen some of my reviews from the last couple of weeks on Instagram or on my bookmark newsletter, which you can sign up for at the top of the show notes, you'll notice or you will have noticed that I didn't love the beginning of this book. I actually got into it a lot more. I really did like Dan's writing all the way through, but I just felt the first probably 30% of the book was making the same point over and over. I think what kept me reading it was all of the different regrets peppered in throughout the book because they were very enjoyable and thought-provoking and sad and human things to read that other people had submitted as part of the regret survey. 
But the book did get better and I really liked the the framing and particularly the categorization of the regrets. I just thought that was a really interesting sort of synthesis of all the, the mass data they got and really cutting it in a very different way, which I, I enjoy. So there we are. Three big ideas from the book, The Power of Regret by Dan Pink. I'd love to know if you've read this book, if you enjoyed it, what you thought of it. Please let me know all the usual places. You can find me, Instagram and LinkedIn, the best places at Steph's Biz biz bookshelf on instagram and just steph clark on linkedin you can go find me over there but otherwise until next time happy reading